So it's been a couple of weeks. Well, it's been more than a couple of weeks since we recorded an episode. I think the last time we recorded an episode was for the Notre Dame Paris. Well, we recorded an episode. We did not publish oh, yes. an episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. I decided to ignore it because multiple times during that episode, we had technical difficulties. Yeah, that was and bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, there's a lot that's been going on in both of our lives. So why don't we catch up our listeners, um, all of them, catch them up on what, yeah, on how life is going and just do a quick check in and see what life's like. And then I have a few things on my list of things, uh, that maybe we could talk about. Yeah. Cool. So you're in Canada. I am in Canada and (laughs) it is, as we record, it is Canada Day. Oh, Canada. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is Canada Day, which is, I think, what is celebrated as the birthday of Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be insensitive, but <laughs> so but. it's technically not an Independence Day. Right. Because Canada is still dependent. Right. It's still in the, what do they call that? The Commonwealth? Yeah. So it's still dependent on the crown as the head of state. So there's. Is the queen still on the money? The queen is still on the money. Ooh. She's on the $20 bill. It's weird. I don't like Yeah, that. I see I, I see her face everywhere. Mm. Canadians and Canadians I have found generally really mm. like, you know, all of the intrigue of the royal family. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, so do a lot of Americans. <laughs> That's true. Whole, That's true. There was something recently, I don't know, I really was paying attention, but all the people were talking about queen this and it's that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh one of the uh one of the grandchildren of the Queen of England had a baby. Oh, and that's and that's really important. Yeah, because the tree continues to expand. I think this baby is like thirtieth in line. Or but something. the Queen so, is never going to die, so does it really matter? Um, Should I say that? Is that insensitive? <laughs> I mean, well, all your no, because all that you're doing is affirming the resurrection of the dead. That's true. You're saying that she will she will live forever. That's true. She will. Yeah, you're just speaking of our resurrection hope. Were <laughs> um, you not? Oh, uh, sure. Let's go with that. That's a lot better. I have a theory that she is going to try and live as long as her son, so that she can outlive him, uh-huh. and then pass on the crown to her grandson. Uh-huh. Is this like out of spite? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I have lived in Canada for two years, but <laughs> I must say my knowledge of all things British is still pretty weak. Sure, sure. Like it, like it is. I mean... You are an American now, after all, so it should be that way. Yeah, yeah. I am an American, but I do live in Canada. And I got to tell you, this is going to sound a little strange, but maybe it'll make sense to you. <laughs> Living in Canada, though, to be fair, to be I don't fair, actually live, I don't really live that far north. I, I mean, like, yeah, there Toronto are many places. Yeah, basically it, America. Right, right. <laughs> Ge- geographically, it's basically America. But in, like, ethos, it's really not. So, like, there's... This is what I was going to say, and see if this makes sense to you. Living in Canada, I feel closer to the UK than I do when I live in the US. Okay. Have you been to the UK? No. <laughs> so. No. Like, I feel just like. Because the Queen's on the 20? Maybe. Like, there's something about being in Canada that makes me, like, believe that the United Kingdom <laughs> is near, near at hand. It's like a real place. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like in the United States, I feel like it's this foreign land that I would never go to, and yeah, is we like, had a war it, to separate ourselves <laughs> from that. <laughs> yeah, we literally declared independence, not dependence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of a tongue in cheek is like, well, you know, Canada's Confederation Day or birthday is like, well, we celebrate an Independence Day, but there's sort of like a yeah. celebration of the dependence of Canada on. Yeah, yeah they're the same thing. You know, we just, yeah. we make all these distinctions, but it's none of it's real. It's all the same stuff anyways. It's true. It's true. So today's Canada Day, and I am in Canada. Um, well, that's fun. And today I have the day off, which is great. So Do they have fireworks and grilled hot dogs? They do. They do. I don't. <laughs> I, you know, I make some eggs and watch, you know, Netflix uh-huh. all day, which is fine. Um because I'm working these days, so I'm trying to take the day as a loose, loose yeah. day. Yeah. Um, Theoretically, I am working now too. You have a job. I have a job. 
How about that? Look at that. We've we've blossomed from <laughs> just your slacker grad students yeah. to being fully employed. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you could say I'm fully employed. I'm still this is yeah. like this is literally day one, so uh, yeah, so tell me about loose, your like a loose job description. So I'm not quite sure what all of my duties are going to be. Um, what is your job? I tell the people. Have begun work as the parochial vicar mm. at our parish in Denver, Saint Ignatius Loyola, Denver, okay. Colorado. Well, what is a parochial vicar? What does that mean? Uh, I am what used to be known as, and I don't really know why. We say one over the other, or what the change has been. Uh, but we used to just say associate pastor. Like, I'm there to help yep. out the big guy. Well, the second <laughs> big guy, not God. Well, I'm there to help out uh, God, too. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and you're a parochial vicar, which is a different thing? No, it's the same thing. Okay, got it. Associate pastor. So you're the associate pastor. So this is uh, your first job as a priest. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working here at the parish, and, you know... I bet a lot of us Jesuits have, well, we have a lot of things to think about, a lot of things. Uh, and I've heard some guys go back and forth on this pastoral year after ordination. But you know what? I think it's a really good idea that, you know, I've been stu- basically studying for like the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And now I get an entire year to do nothing but be a priest, to learn how to be a mm-hmm. good priest. And I'm mm-hmm. really, really excited to do that and to learn nice. all that I can. So what kinds of things are you going to be learning? Uh, well, actually, just a little while ago, I was in a meeting for, um, we've got a funeral on Wednesday, so I'm just kind of jumping right in. I won't be celebrating it, but I'll be there and kind of celebrating and just learning how to sit, how to, how to sit in on those meetings and what to ask and, and, mm. how, to, and how to be there for people. Nice. Uh, nice. Most of it's pastoral. There's a, um, a, what do you call it? Or like a prayer spirituality center thing attached to the parish. Um, so I'm hoping to get involved with that, maybe do a little bit of spiritual direction. But for the most part, it'll be sacramental ministry. Daily nice. masses and Sunday masses and all that fun stuff. That's great, man. So you're going to spend a whole year living the life of a priest in a parish. Yeah. And then after that, maybe get assigned somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? Go back to school. Um, Find a different parish. I really have no idea mm-hmm. at this point. That'll be a conversation so, okay. for a little while. In a little while. Yeah. So you've been you've been ordained a priest as we record for three weeks now. Yes, thereabouts. Dude. Yeah. Tell me about it. Like <laughs> clear, clearly, I have a lot of opinions about the priesthood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I have a lot of beliefs about the priesthood, and I have a lot of hopes for my uh-huh. priesthood. But uh-huh. I have I literally have zero experience being a priest. Yeah. Because you're not one. Because I'm well, I mean, by my baptism, I think I, I might have participated. Well, so you're you're kind of a priest on a couple of levels because of your baptism, but also because you're a member of a priestly order. Mm. And so you share in the in the general priesthood of all Jesuits, even brothers. Interesting, interesting. But mm-hmm. your priesthood now is something different. Yes, yeah, the ministerial priesthood. Um, you know, some of the things that have been surprising to me. Uh, so. Very, right off the bat, I went and visited my family back, back in Texas and didn't have access to a chapel for a while. So I didn't really have the ability to celebrate mass, like a daily mass. Mm. Um, and then when I got into community, back into community life, um, I was able to do some daily masses for our communities. But you know what? I found kind of surprising because before this, I, I was... Just under the opinion, oh, you know, if there's nobody around, I'll just say, well, by myself. Fine, no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's weird. <laughs> Saying mass by yourself? Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, I mean, just say, because, say more. Well, just what do you because mean by weird? I've been going to mass with people for my entire life. Yeah. Uh, and now all of a sudden, I can do it by myself. And now I'm not like going out of my way to do it by myself. There are just no, there's no one around. Um, right. Right. And if I don't, if I'm not assigned to the community mass or the daily mass at the parish, and if I don't mm-hmm. can celebrate, which I may start doing, um, then there's nobody. Yeah. So the other, only other option is to say mass alone. Yeah. Or not say it. Yeah. Now, hold on. I'm going to put on my controversial hat for a moment and push back. Are you ever alone when you say mass? No. 
<laughs> well, that, that, there's a the thing. So I no, mean, but there's a whole. It's and it's really kind of confusing, to be honest. Uh, there's a whole section in the missile for masses without anybody there. So like you don't do. You don't do a lot of the dialogue stuff. So like the Lord be with you and with your spirit. You don't say that to yourself because uh, that's weird. <laughs> the Lord be with me and <laughs> and me with me and. With Peace me. be with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you don't do any of that stuff. I thank you, me. <laughs> I really like that me. Uh, that's fine. You know the the one that really throws me off though is that there's no uh, there's no final blessing and no dismissal. Huh. Uh, so it's kind of like when you say the liturgy of the hours by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have your little. You, you know, you sign the cross, make the sign of the cross. But if there's other people. Even as a deacon, you give them a blessing. Right. Um, but if you're by yourself, you don't do that. So it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But even that, like I said, that's kind of the, that's the part that really throws me off. Because like, mm-hmm. okay, we're done. <laughs> now I just leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mass literally is over. Now I just go. <clears throat> you know, I... Yeah. So that's been so, weird. So you, so you spent the first week trying to sort of figure these things out. Yeah. Uh, and did you get a chance to celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation? It took a while, actually. I was surprised by that. Um, I mean, not surprised because I wasn't really doing a lot of churchy, churchy things. Um, but it took until I was back in California, right before coming here. So really, like a week ago, uh, yesterday, the uh, the pastor of my parish back in California was on is out on vacation, and so mm-hmm. there's just one priest, and he's been doing everything. And so when I was mm. there to offer a massive Thanksgiving, um, he was like, hey, do you mind taking this for me so I can have a break? <laughs> and I was like, uh, absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to right, ask me twice. Right. Uh, so you started hearing some confessions that day? Yep. Yep. It was cool. It's That's such awesome, a, man. It's such a, you know, I had mentioned on the podcast a while ago that that was one of the things that I was looking forward to the most. Oh, yeah. Um, and it is nothing like what I expected it to be. <laughs> what? But really? Say more. It's so awesome. Well, I mean, you Say know, more. we do our prep and we, and this is the fr- the frustrating thing about the way that we, the way that, and you kind of have to, right? You do your little role-playing games and you try to, you know, create these scenarios where people will, you know, I pretend to be somebody in serious sin and so I go you know, to the other guy that's learning how to do this. Right. That's just not real life. And mm-hmm. it's the best that you can get. Like, you, you know, you're making the best attempt, but it's just uh-huh. not real life. And right. so when you hit real life, it's like, oh, this is really different. <laughs> still wonderful yeah. and still a huge blessing and humbling and all of those other things. Um, well, describe describe the difference. What's different about role playing from the real thing? Well, I mean, the stakes are a lot higher for one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this is real. Um and I don't know, maybe that's the big thing. Like, you know, when, when we're, when we're practicing for class, it's like, oh yeah, I can just kind of goof around and, you know, I mean, take it seriously, obviously, but there's not that pressure. Like, mm. this person is here repenting and I have the authority to forgive them of their sins. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I'm a little huge. surprised that you're, but I'm a little surprised that you're focusing on like the real thing is more like, like heavy you're like or like more intense or like the stakes are higher like you're focusing that way as opposed to saying that like the real thing is like i I would almost say like like so my limited experience of these kinds of role plays i had role i've been having role play in the hospital for Uh how to have good pastoral visits with people who are sick yeah and which is great but i actually find myself more stressed out in the role play oh well that's kind (laughs) of what i mean like you know, there, you've got, yeah, you do have a lot of, cause it, because you know it's not, the stakes aren't there. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just say, okay, I need to take a break. You know, this is, this is not what, or I messed up, you know, here, there, the other thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's not what I meant to say, so let's just start over. Uh, right, right. And so, because, I mean, for me at least, because of that, yeah, you're, the pre- I felt the pressure when I was pretending. 
um, mm-hmm. because I did want to, you know, impress the people that I was with. And, you know, right. The right. There's thing. a jury there. Yeah. Do the mm-hmm. right thing right off the bat and not be judged for being, you know, for saying the wrong things or anything like that. Uh, but I mean, again, this might just be my personality type. Like at the end of the day, that was for me, like, okay, I don't really care what these other people think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there is a difference here between you and me because I care a lot <laughs> what, what these people think about me, uh-huh. you know? And so like I'm sitting in my, in my little cohort and all of us are role playing like by literally like someone is laying on the couch and someone knocks on the door and you walk in and see what happens, you know, yeah. uh, as if, as if it were a pastoral visit to the sick. And I get scared just because there's a lot of people who are there kind of nitpicking at everything that I say and do, and then later are going to kind of grill me on it and say like, well, why did you say it that way? Why did you do this that way? That was so yeah. awkward. That was so whatever. Well, I, like I almost prefer the visit itself because in the visit itself, though it's scary to knock on the doors, once I sit and lean into it, it's like, yeah, I can totally mess this up and it's going to just wash away. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's exactly, that's precisely what I'm talking about. Like in the real thing, like it doesn't matter if I say the wrong, I mean, okay, I want to say the right thing and you know, et cetera. <laughs> right. But like yeah. God's grace is going to work regardless. Uh, mm. And that's, and that to me is intimidating. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because, like, like I said, the weight of this, like, this is now, like, forgiveness of sins <laughs> through the ministry of the church. May God grant you pardon and peace. Like, holy, holy moly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. So, I mean, so maybe an obvious question that maybe is a silly question, but it's a good question is that people typically ask is, like, do you feel any different having been ordained? Well, a little bit. I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard to answer that question because we're talking about an ontological change and not a, a right now change. <laughs> like a psychological change. Yeah. Uh, you know, I suspect there, you know, people are, people here are calling me father. Uh, that's still, I'm still not used to that. Um, like that's, those are the things that I'm noticing. Um, prayer is going very well. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm noticing, the difference that I feel is just the relief, (laughs) like leading up to ordination. There's so much struggle. There's so much, you know, I guess what, uh, in the wedding business, what they would call like cold feet. Like you're just Mm -hmm. nervous because you're, this is a big deal that you're stepping into. Right. Um, Right. And I wasn't like thinking about backing out or anything, but you can't get away from nerves and. Mm. And all of that. So having that behind me is kind of a wonderful feeling. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Uh, and I can totally. kind of now step into this new role, um, this new life. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of differences. But do I feel different? I don't really know. Maybe, maybe yeah. I just don't have the yeah. words to to describe it yet. Yeah, I mean, if I were to maybe try to put myself in your position, I I could imagine not. Like answering that question in the negative, saying like, no, I kind of feel the same. Um, you know, we've been doing this life for a long yeah, time. Yeah, that's and, the other thing. Like, um, this is, you know, saying mass and hearing confessions. Yeah, that's new. But everything else, literally everything else is stuff we've been doing since day one. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> even wearing a collar and being called father, yeah. like that's something that you've experienced for a <laughs> yeah. long time, you know? Yeah. Um, I imagine perhaps so that like there's if I were to project myself into your position in the future, cause <laughs> I'll be ordained yeah, God in the next year. Soon. Um, yeah. And I, I could imagine that one of the things that I would feel is a certain level of like relief of like, wow, there's so much like psychic energy that's wrapped up in this moment being kind of the culmination of 10 years of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that can be overemphasized as like, there's a, this is a finish line cause it's really well, not a finish line. Yeah, but there could be relief in the fulfillment of an expected, you know, conclusion to your formation on some level. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's one of the things that they've really that they've warned us <laughs> about since the beginning. You know, uh, I think I think they would say that one of the reasons why guys leave after ordination is that they see it only as, OK, I finished this other thing. And all throughout our the rest of our formation, we've had another thing to take its place after we finished the last thing. And so if you think of it just as, okay, well, I, 
now I'm done. Now I can really live my life. It's like, well, it might not happen that way. <laughs> and you might yeah, still have yeah. some of the same struggles and you might still be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. So I try right. not to think of it too much in those terms. Um, mostly because, well, I'm still in formation. I'm still a scholastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that part hasn't changed. Uh, right. So there's still a long way to go in terms of, in terms of being formed. Right, right. You know, one of the things I was talking to one of the guys that was recently ordained with you, I was talking to him just yesterday um, about when guys have struggles in formation, which you and I have both experienced some crosses and some challenges, you know, that have been challenges to our growth and to our obedience. And um, when we experience those things, it leads me to a conversation that I have with God or with myself and I was having with this guy yesterday of what's most striking. It is striking to me when guys leave. Uh, religious life but then when they leave after they're ordained like what happens there and kind of how scandalous it can be that guys leave after they're ordained and and through this conversation what i kind of came to the conclusion of is like look nobody's vocation is guaranteed (laughs) yeah um you know after you're ordained if you think you can just sort of rest on your laurels and lean back and say oh well i finished that process of formation and my life is now set and i can just sort of lean back it's like well (laughs) Sort of a yeah, you know, surprise, there's surprise. sort of a wishful. Guess what? Yeah, there's a wishful thinking there. You know, um, the way that I I don't know what you what your strategies are for like overcoming that temptation to um, either just take things for granted that things are going to be all the ways easy, uh-huh. or even like when when crosses come. What I what I've come to is when I experience difficulties in my formation or in my vocation generally. I could take them as an opportunity to flee or I could take them as an opportunity to double down. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's the invitation that I've been experiencing recently is like, okay, you know, the crosses and the struggles of formation can be invitations to run away or they can be invitations to double down. And it's like, I'm going to go all in and double down. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the attacks uh, mean, they mean, that means something, you know, these struggles, these, uh, these times where we feel like, we, 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 the only option is to quit. You know, it's like, yeah, that wouldn't happen if what, if what we're doing isn't important. Mm. You know, like the evil spirit is trying to keep us from, from this life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, L- looking back on, uh, on the ordination itself, can you remember a moment during the ordination that you felt, uh, you know, a certain power or a certain, joy or surge of emotion or anything that stood out to you from your own ordination? Yeah. So there are a couple of moments that I remember like sticking out. The first was right before the prostration, uh, for whatever reason, like standing there about to lay down was when I felt the most nervous. Mm. Like my knees got shaky. I was like, Oh my God, what's happening? Everybody's looking at me. This is weird. I need Mm. to like, you know, run out the door. (laughs) (laughs) And then I laid down and the uh, litany of saints started and it was wonderful. Um, mm. So I don't, yeah, I don't really know what, what, how to read into that or what that meant or anything, but that was like the one super nervous moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other moment, <laughs> so we had this, one of the guys ordained with me is um, Egyptian. So he's Coptic Catholic. And we had this really beautiful chant during the laying on of hands, this Coptic, hmm. this chant sung in Coptic, which is ancient Egyptian. Um, and this is going to sound kind of bad, um, but like my reaction to that was, I really like this. This is pretty cool. And that's about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we had the, uh, what was it? The Veni Creator Spiritu, mm-hmm. which is the, apparently the wrong song chant to be sung uh, you need the what is the other one any sante spiritu yeah that's the one that should be done for a priestly ordination anyway okay. anyway when that one started i started to tear up a little bit hmm. so that was another point of emotion and then the third part was right after that uh so we're kneeling down on these praedus for the entire laying on of hands for all the priests that are there and there's a lot uh, mm-hmm. and as soon as I stood up, 
I was like, oh man, I should have requested some knee pads because <laughs> my knees were like, killing me. Uh, and then thinking about, oh, now I have to go in front of the bishop and kneel down on the marble for the prayer of ordination. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God, this hurts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful ceremony. I thought Archbishop Amen did a phenomenal job. His homily was great. Uh, he was very pastoral. The, the music was incredible. Yeah. Went wonderfully well. Yeah. No, I was there. I was in the pews. I was with my parents, and my mom and my dad were very happy to see you getting ordained. And this Egyptian <laughs> does it as well, getting ordained because they know you, you both. Yeah. I was uh, so happy they were able to make it. It meant a lot to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, man, for me, it was important for them to be there to see you guys, but also it was sort of a good dress rehearsal <laughs> for them. Yeah. Now they like, know what to expect. <laughs> yeah. To know what to expect instead of it being, yeah, because I'm going to need them to sort of shepherd a lot of cats mm -hmm. next year, sure, you know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was, for me, it was very, it wasn't overly emotional to see you guys getting ordained because, yeah, I, there wasn't any sort of surging of emotion for me in that sense, but tremendous gratitude and kind of like surrealness of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still, you know, and I'm I, still there in the surreal. Yeah, and, and I felt it a little bit with this other guy that I mentioned yesterday that I was with, who was ordained with you. Um, he was saying mass for me, you know, in the community chapel. And it wasn't surreal in the sense of like, oh, what are you doing? Because I've seen him practice so much. Uh -huh, sure. <laughs> so, so there's something about it where it's like, wait a minute. You have power now. <laughs> I have the power. Yeah. It's like you're you're actually saying the words and doing the thing now. Yeah. Uh anyway. So yeah, that's great. Well, well I've been I've been very happy for you, man. Yeah, thank you. So speaking of that though, like one of the one of the ways that saying mass by myself has kind of been freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> when I was in Dallas and in the chapel, like I kept having this feeling that somebody was going to walk in and be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> so like any, there was any little creak outside. I was, you know, freaking out. I was like, oh my God, is somebody going to see me? <laughs> like I'm doing something yeah. wrong. But no, man, yeah, well, this is what we do now. You're allowed to do this. This is you. You're supposed to do this. That's great. That's good. So here's a, maybe a, a simple question. What do we, what do people call you now? Is it Father Jonathan? Is it Father Harmon? Is it Jonathan? Is it Harmon? Is it, <laughs> hey, you, what do you, uh, yeah. what do you prefer? You know, I, honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I introduce myself here as either Father Harmon or Father Jonathan Harmon. Mm -hmm. um, I suspect people are going to call me whatever they want. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, I think it would be a little, it's a little classier to go last name, father last name, but at the end of the day, is this, is this something that I'm going to freak out about? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've, I've kind of come around to the opinion of, I'll just let people decide what they want yeah. to call me. Yeah. Like, whatever you want to call me is fine with me. Like, I don't really have an agenda or any preconceived idea of what you should call me. I don't know, but. You're in a parish context, so it seems like in a parish context, yeah. people typically call you father. Yeah. You know, the pastor goes by his first father, first name, and the former associate goes by last name. So they're sure. used to both. Sure. So I don't think it would be. Isn't the former associate's last name also a first name? He's got two first names, <laughs> which so... makes it a little bit easier for that. So, yeah, yeah. I wonder <laughs> if people were calling him Father First Name. <laughs> they just thought that's what his first name was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Well, good. Well, anyway, so I look forward to this new phase of your life and yeah. of our podcast and friendship of, yeah, listening about your life as a priest and yeah. seeing what that's like. Well, you know, there's one very important detail that we haven't really talked about yet. What's that? What are we going to put in the description, the podcast description? Oh, that's true, because we've described this podcast as two seminarians, two scholastics right. preparing right. for priesthood. Right. Well, now, now we can, one. now, yeah, we can say a newly ordained Jesuit priest takes pity on a scholastic <laughs> and, <laughs> and well, in humors September, him. We could in say his... a priest and a deacon have some conversations. Yeah, we could do that. A priest and a transitional deacon. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, so I'll be ordained in September, God willing. I don't know if you'll be able to go. Probably not. I imagine you'll be. Yeah, it depends on, uh, just depends on a couple of things. I, um, I would like to go. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. 
it truth be told, I mean the the transitional diaconate happens in the middle of the school year, yeah. so it's not really a good time for really anybody. Well, to I'm not on the academic calendar per se. Oh, per se, so <laughs> facto, ergo. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> well, good. Well, let's put a pin in all that and look forward to our future podcasting as ordained men. Yeah, I'm sure there will be lots of, of uh, updates on the adventure that is priestly life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look forward to it. Um, speaking of one of those adventures, really quick, uh, just as a side note, I just saw a headline that I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, the Holy See today on Canada Day, unrelated to Canada Day, but <laughs> on the same day, um, put, apparently put out a very strongly worded letter. I didn't read the letter. I just read the headline, but strongly worded saying that no civil authority can can mandate that a priest break the seal of the confessional yeah. and that a priest well, is bound. They can mandate. <laughs> Sorry. <they> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And this strongly worded letter is basically saying that a priest will not and should yeah. not break the seal, yeah. and he would much, he should much more prefer to shed his own blood than to break yes. the seal. Yes, that's awesome. I'm glad that I'm glad that that came up. Yeah, me too. Well, before I go, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm glad that it came out. I'm glad that it was worded strongly. Um, yeah, because I think the the real threat right now in, in the United States, at least, is with California, right? The California yeah. has... Uh, yeah, that's gone through yeah, a couple of levels, I think. Right. It hasn't made it all the way to the governor's desk, but I think it's gone through some... some I think it's gone through the House, maybe the Senate. I'm not sure, the state legislature. Um, yeah, I find that it's really good for the Holy See to make a clear statement about the importance of this, and it's not just um, nice practice that we are open to revising, but... It's an essential aspect of our pastoral practice and the integrity of the sacrament. And mm-hmm. if a priest is unwilling to lay down his life in defense of this, then that priest needs to really reconsider <laughs> his priorities. Sure. Um, yeah, I think anytime you evoke martyrdom, I think that's really good for the like, like the life of a Christian. Yeah. And like for me, I feel inspired by the like evoking. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 helpful to have something worth dying for. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally, that's you know the cross. That's God, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have a specific thing, like, oh yes, I can. That's why we have the sacraments, right? Visible signs of of the invisible grace that we can now point to something and say, yes, yeah. I will die yeah. for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've actually heard confessions, though. So for you, it's more real than yeah. for me. Yeah. Now I've like signed my life away, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, no, this is good. It's it it is a it is a complicated thing. You know, one of one of the last RCIA sessions that I did in Cal- back in California, um, while all of this just started coming out that California was going to you know try to mandate this, one of the one of the one of my people, um, quite bluntly, in fact, asked, you know, well, you're saying that if somebody comes to you and confesses that they've either abused or been abused, that you you can't, that you won't go to the authorities. Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. You know, this is, mm-hmm. like, that's the hard reality of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, okay, so this is a little bit controversial, and I don't, I don't speak for the church or for the society or for you, really. It is just sort of an opinion that I'm processing this out loud. I wonder even the language of authority is a helpful way of understanding what we're about here. Yeah. Is that, see, what when the, when the question was raised in your RCIA class, it's like, you wouldn't report this person to the authorities? Yeah. Question mark. Well, yes, I am. <laughs> but, the, but not the authority of the civil government, right. the authority of God. Right. You know, and... Incur- exhorting this person to repentance of life and right. to contrition and to well, yeah, because God, God is also an authority. I mean, He is the authority. Well, and there is similar in a similar vein. Like, I don't have the authority to break that seal. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I can physically, but really bad things happen. Right, 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 right. You know, and also in my experience with the at least with my confession class, you know, we are encouraged to, you know tell people in the confessional yeah. about you know if to lean in hard and to say like look oh, yeah. if you're doing this you you need to reform your life and you should probably really consider reevaluate your decisions and to really consider how it is that you're going to seek right. what is it uh not, not retribution but um um restitution mm-hmm. you know for your mm-hmm. crimes 
Um, and that's an important conversation that happens in the privacy of the confessional. But I think that there is a role that the priest plays in that, um, which is important. But I think just that that notion that you wouldn't report this to the authorities is like, well, it's not. No, I would not. The civil authorities. But there is a divine authority here. And I guess that's kind of the whole point is that right. we're operating under a different jurisdiction than the jurisdiction of the civil government. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's the, that's, and that's the, that's the rub. Like, that's what people, because we've not, well, I shouldn't say that. This whole church and state distinction is still weird, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, but it's also very much alive. Yeah, it's, an, no, it's a sure. living yeah. tension. Yeah. And if the church is subject to the state and is one institution among many that is under the umbrella of the state and is state-sponsored, then okay, the state has ultimate say. Mm -hmm. But what we've always been saying is that the state cannot legislate over and against the church because the church exists apart from the state. Right. Um, I mean, maybe a more, even more traditional. I mean, so like an Augustine might say that the city of God and the city of man, but perhaps even more sort of transcendentally, you could say that the state in some way is under the church, right? Under the umbrella of the church because, you know, the church exists and spans beyond space and time. Like there's... Well, that's certainly you know, how beyond... it was back in the early days. Uh, mm -hmm. A little bit more explicitly. But even, right. even you know, the this nation, you know, the founding fathers came over not so that they could impose one particular religion, but so that that could be something that they could practice because mm -hmm. of religious persecutions that were going on in Europe. Right, right. Oh, yeah. No, and this is very much a form of religious persecution. Yeah. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. Which is why martyrdom is the appropriate category to use to describe how the response should be. If anything, and maybe this is just a good sign, is that if anything, it makes me want to be a priest more. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like well, it. again, it's, I get this is like being able to point to something concretely and say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I, and <laughs> I think that's, should be the response of every religious and priest and uh, Catholic, every Christian to say, no, this right. is, this is who we are. And this is, this is going to make me want to do that even more. This will light a fire under me. Right. And this is the conviction that we need. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, good. Well, I look forward to hearing more about your experience of this kind of uh, persecution. <laughs> it actually yeah, it'll probably happen. Hands out. Denver is a kind of a secular place, so I'm sure I'll have right. something, mm -hmm. some fun mm -hmm. stuff to uh, to report back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what else do you want to talk about, man? We've got a few more minutes. What's What else is going on in your world? A few more minutes? What are you counting down on? Well, no, I mean, you got to go cook dinner, I think. Oh, I don't you? That. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. What else is going on in life? I had some funny things happen recently. Mm -hmm. And then I heard some other people talk about the same kind of funny things that happened to them. And oh. I wanted to get your take on it because I know you like, uh, you like. Funny things. Funny things. And you like, you know, technology, cell phone, that kind Ooh, of stuff. Too. It are we doing a tech corner? We may be doing a little bit of a tech corner. So if this bores okay. you, you might want to just pause or fast forward a little bit. Don't leave. We or still not. want you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But so, okay, let me let me set the stage for you. Let me tell you a story here. All right. I'm listening. So one of our mutual friends that we happen to host another podcast with, um, <laughs> his parents were visiting us a couple of months ago. And... They were out all day, and I just kind of caught up with them afterwards for like a like an after dinner, you know, snacks and drinks and things. Okay, so we get to talk, and they had this particular like sandwich shop um, that's down in in Berkeley, um, and they brought it back, so they had some to share. So we were eating these sandwiches. Okay, all fine, good, and we we're talking about how good they were, you know, like you do, just to make conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day, mm -hmm. I was on. I think it was on Twitter. Guess what ad pops up? No way! This sandwich shop. Okay, oh, coincidence. No. Coincidence. Okay, not that. I mean, it's Maybe. a it's a local chain. Okay. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Stay with me here. The plot thickens. Mm -hmm. So a couple of weeks later, uh, 
same guy actually. So this is this he could be the the um, the constant here. So he and I and another Jesuit were walking back from like going out to eat or something, and they start talking about this show that they really liked on I think it's Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Something with one of the Arquettes. Um, and they were just t- telling I hadn't seen it, so they were telling me about it. I was trying to keep them from spoiling it because it did kind of sound good, sound kind of good. Um, so they're trying to be vague, but not really. So they kind of spoil a bunch of stuff. Anyway, I kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I like to watch that. So, David, mm-hmm. the next day. Oh no! Guess what? I get an oh, ad no. for this show. I have on what YouTube? No, like again on Twitter or. You know, Reddit or something. I don't remember exactly what it was on. Okay, so once, maybe a coincidence. Twice? Oh, I don't know about that. That's kind of weird. I hadn't done okay. any searching for these shows. I didn't look them up on YouTube. I didn't search for the sandwich shop. I didn't do anything. And these ads are coming on right after having conversations about them. Oh, yeah. Is this my device listening to me? <laughs> well, okay. No, so, okay. To be fair, to be fair, uh, I do have Hey Siri enab- enabled, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. she is literally listening to my every word, waiting for me to say those two words. <laughs> right, right. So, so the reason I'm I'm pausing and hesitating is because this is a conversation that I had with one of my coworkers oh. about a month ago. Do you tell? Because she oh, and this, was this like could affect the whole confession thing. Like, do I bring my phones into confession? Oh, oh my! My, that is an interesting question. That's one I uh, have to think about because the penitent can bring their yeah phone into yeah they're not bound like the priest is bound right. So, like, let's just assume that the phone is doing what you're saying it's doing. Well, the I'm penitent not saying doesn't that it's have doing. to worry about it. I'm saying this is some no, no. weird stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, for the sake of argument, uh-huh. going back to the confession thing, for the sake of argument, say that your phone is doing this thing. Yeah. The penitent wouldn't need to worry about it. Yeah. But the confessor probably should. Yes. Yes, it seems that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, Isn't that weird? Uh-huh. Well, the penitent should worry about it if this is true. Okay, no, the, yes. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> what, you know what I mean, though. But they shouldn't yeah. have to worry about it in terms yeah, of yeah. the seal. In terms of the seal, right. Okay, so I had this conversation about a month ago with someone in my cohort. She was talking about what happened. Oh, I know what it is. We were in our group and we were doing some didactics over uh, like nonverbal communication, I think it was. Uh And it was a really interesting lecture. And the teacher decided to put on a clip that compiled different segments from different clips from the show Friends. Hmm. that demonstrated the power of nonverbal communication. And it was funny, whatever, etc. Now, the next day, one of the people in my cohort came up to me and said, David, look at this. <laughs> and she uh-huh. pulled up, she pulled up her Facebook feed Ooh. and her Facebook feed had all of these recommendations for her to like join friends like follow friends on Facebook or like here's a video from friends. Like the TV show. Follow um, the TV show friends on Facebook. Yeah, something like that. Like I could be getting the details wrong of what it was <laughs> suggesting, mm. but it was suggesting wow. the show friends to her. And she said, I don't watch this show. <laughs> I don't know why this has never occurred to me before. It's never appeared on my feed before. What is this about? And so I engaged her in this conversation that you and I are having. Uh-huh. And I said, well, it could be the case. Your phone is listening to you because my phone is always listening to me when I say the magic words. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, there's that. Or it could be that, you know, you have a friend who is watching the show and then they're recommending it to you based off of that. And it's just a massive coincidence. Yeah, it could um, be. A, I mean, but like even that, like, how do they know that you're friends with this person or that you're in the same room with this person? No, no, no. Okay, so what what I meant to say is, in her case, it could oh, be that oh, one of oh, her friends, like a friend, friend. Okay, okay, okay. That's getting one of her friends. Yeah, is right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, 
Now, probably the truth is, is that we're being listened to. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's probably the truth of it. So I've never Um, been one to like, you know how people put little tape, bits of tape on their uh, webcams? Do we still call them webcams? Or just cameras? uh, Front-facing cameras (laughs) on my phone (laughs) is what I call them. Yeah. Uh, I've never been one to do that. I see many people do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Including Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, there it is. So I'm wondering yeah. if I should start doing that now. No. <laughs> <laughs> and see, my, my reason for saying no is because who cares? Well, I mean, like, the, yeah, that is the other thing. Like, the, what we're complaining about are super insignificant. Like, okay, I got an ad for a sandwich shop. Maybe yeah, I want to eat I mean, there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, on some level, I feel. And I'm happy knowing that my devices are working for me. Like there's, you know, like they're <laughs> yeah. they're pointing out that I might be interested in David, watching. Don't the show. you think this is the first step to Skynet? Like this is how we get Terminators. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But that was a really good movie. Uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Actually, here we um, go. I was just watching. Uh, there's a subreddit called Movie Details or something like that, mm-hmm. and they were showing how Patrick. What's his name? Ewing. No, the T... Uh, <laughs> Stewart. T-1000? What's the liquid metal oh. guy? Oh, yes, the Mercury guy. Mercury, T-1000. Yeah. T-1000, how he... Patrick, what's his last name? Stewart. No, okay, you gotta stop. <laughs> uh, anyway, he trained himself to shoot a gun with his eyes open so that he would Whoa. look like a robot. And, like, he studied a particular type of bird, like head movements, so he would be more robotic. And now we're talking about Terminator on the podcast. What's wow. happening? Are you listening to me? <laughs> what? I don't understand. Oh, oh, I see. I see. I see. Even though I'm the one that brought it up. So, okay. So here's my, my thing is that worst case scenario, we're being eavesdropped on. Yeah. Worst case scenario, somewhere buried within the long terms of conditions for my use of an Apple product well, nobody is that. yeah, maybe buried somewhere in there. I signed my privacy away. Yeah. Maybe, you know, um, for certain things like that you know, for advertising yeah. use only or something like that. Right. Right. Now there is like, there's an episode of the great television show parks and recreation mm. in the last season where they deal with this, where a, sh- a company like Facebook slash Amazon starts sending people packages based off of their search history. Ooh, yeah. Um, and it's just an interesting thing. And Ron Swanson, the you know the the libertarian in the group, he's like, I don't care about this. It's like you're the one who's using these technologies. Yeah. So if you don't want them to be invading your privacy, then don't tell them things about yourself. <laughs> Didn't um, he throw his computer away though, or is that earlier in the series? Earlier in the series, yeah, he does that. Um, so my thing is like, okay, well, why would I not put? Why would I put tape on my camera? Yeah, that's because I feel like they shouldn't be watching me. Yeah, well, don't do but anything. What bad. am I doing? <laughs> Don't do anything bad. I mean, like, okay, they're just going to be watching me, like, staring for hours on end. I mean, that's all they're going to be looking at. I mean, yeah. I don't, or maybe the point is that, like, when I'm not using my phone, the camera is still on and yeah. they're watching me do other stuff, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, and that was, like, I've seen some people do these weird tests where they get a bunch of different types of phone or the same phones to have the same, you know, uh, uh, whatever you call it. So they're all the same. Uh, and then, like, turn on the Wi-Fi on some, turn off the Wi-Fi on some, turn on the Bluetooth on some. And, like, even the ones where you turn everything off, they're still getting specialized ads or something like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's a little bit it's a little bit scary, for sure. But I, I still kind of go back to, like, well, isn't this the price of this? I mean, like, was this not inevitable? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, this is what happened. These are the consequences of our actions. Mm-hmm. Now, I I do, and I still believe this, you know, one of the frustrations that I have with almost every post-apocalyptic movie or, you know, show where the superintelligence develops and tries to destroy humanity, uh, the problem that I have with every single one is that it's just irrational. Like, they're making these supercomputers super irrational. And, like, that's not what a machine does. That's what we do. <laughs> Like, irrational in the sense that they attack? Yeah, or? like, the only solution is to destroy all humans, you know, to to maintain peace. You know, like, that's dumb. Right. 
<laughs> right. That's right, something right, that right. I, as a broken human being, would do. Not actually. No. This is this. I, I think your point is well taken, but you should go rewatch iRobot. Uh, because iRobot. Oh yeah, with Will Smith. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie, mm. and it it deals with that particular objection because the the sentient machine uh, that is tasked with like protecting humanity finds a way of reinterpreting her core laws, uh-huh. which one of the core laws is never harm a human being. Yeah, like interpreting those laws to allow for killing a human being. Uh-huh. Like she, like even in at one point in the movie, she comes to an understanding that like my job is to protect humanity, and that might mean I sometimes kill persons. Uh-huh. Yeah, because but that's people. What we do. Well, no, but I'm saying like that's a good example of a movie that. Oh, oh, I see. Is, I see. It's it's not irrational. Yeah. Like that's she's being rational, right? That or I mean that's not reason. That's no. a version of reason, right. but but she's not just being this like matrix, you know, like kill all the humans. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, anyway, so like, okay. would you like, so I, I guess here, my, my thing with a lot of the technology stuff is that I, I'm just unmoved by a lot of these conspiracy type theories and yeah. like, I mean, I'm still going to use this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But like, even here's a simpler example. It has nothing to do with privacy. So for example, I use Apple music and I'm perfectly fine. Not owning CDs. I buy movies on iTunes and yeah, so I don't own any of this stuff really, and yeah. like even buying the movie on iTunes, I own it. But kind I guess technically, like I kind of own yeah, it. Yeah, it's because, still really belongs to Apple. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like paying for like unlimited uses of it. <laughs> um, but like, I, I was mentioning this to somebody with Apple Music, and they're like, "How do you feel comfortable? Like, you know, everything is still subscription based to the person. You don't own any of it." I was like, "I don't really care." <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I mean. Maybe it's me being apathetic, or maybe it's me just being detached. Like I just don't care yeah. about. Like oh, if all I'm of a sudden Skynet, way. like if all of a net, all of a sudden Apple became Skynet and <laughs> like took away all of my music, like would I really be upset? I mean, it's like okay, well that sucks, well, but you'd be upset that there was the robotic invasion and overthrowing of the human race. But maybe not well, that your yeah, music yeah. would be gone. <laughs> like that would yeah, be pretty insignificant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's probably true. That's probably true. You know, speaking of this, I was recently, uh, I was recently grounded in Charlotte, North Carolina, because um, my connection was canceled, and so I spent the night there. Anyway, I decided to watch rewatch The Matrix, uh-huh. um, and that, that movie recently. is real. That movie is real good. Yeah, I watched the whole trilogy recently. I think I'm one of the few people that likes all three movies. Yeah. They're not as good as the first, the second two, by any means. Aren't they, though? Well, I mean, they're still kind of asking the right question. Like, philosophically, I think they're on par. Yes. But, like, just the endless fight scenes get really boring. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're too much. Actually, this was my objection to movies like Man of Steel. It's like the the fight scenes are too much. It's like, after a while, it's like, give me plot, give me stuff. Um, speaking of movies, really quick, before we go, I just saw a movie in theaters today on my Canada Day holiday. Uh-huh. What did you see? I just, I decided to finally go watch Aladdin. Ugh. Why? Well, so, there's <laughs> nothing in theaters to watch right now. Uh-huh. Um, the only movie that I would consider watching in theaters right now is Toy Story 4. Uh-huh. And I was going to wait and watch that with somebody who wanted to watch it. Mm. Um, but I'm actually not even that excited about that, truth be told. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, man, I was so bored. Oh, yeah, cause man. Yeah, because you've seen this before. <laughs> well, not only have I seen it before, I've remake. seen a better version. Yeah. I've seen a better version of it before. That's the problem with these things. This is exactly why I don't like remakes and I don't like uh, when people remake songs even. Like, just leave it alone. Let it, Let it be. <laughs> like let it be yeah exactly there it is <laughs> i bet any remake of that song is going to be worse than the original yeah oh well, fair enough fair enough um so yeah i felt like this was a worse version of the original <laughs> it was actually like even even in and of itself if i can even try to be objective about it it was boring like yeah. it was it raises an interesting question for me about these movies 
Um, I can't be objective because I am saturated with memory from the original. Yeah. But I'm hard pressed to think that these movies can stand alone. Like so much of my engagement with the film was, oh yeah, look how they did that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, they're kind of leaning hard on my nostalgia. Uh huh. You know, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. this. So. I don't know. Well, I don't know was, how much of these movies would stand alone. Well, that's been, you know, I think both of us have mentioned this as the critiques of the um, of the new Star Wars movies. Like, it's all oh, fan service. Like, come on. Oh, it's terrible. Do something new. Do something. You've got an entire world, a universe of adventure, and yet all you mean you're galaxy. doing... It's okay, like galaxy. Okay. All you're doing is pulling on the nostalgia strings. It's like... Oh, it's frustrating. Break. It's terrible. It's terrible. Solo was the worst. Oh God! Yeah, it was gross. (laughs) Yeah. No. I. Yeah. So it made me not want to even go watch the Lion King because the movie is fine as it was. Yeah, it'll be the exact same thing as the as the remake of Aladdin. Like. Yeah, and at best, it'll be worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand why we have this need to constantly remake things. Mm. Like there's so many good, st- and this is a rant that I have that goes way back. You know, I think I think we're gonna keep doing stupid stuff like this until we can wholly separate film from books. <laughs> this, like, okay, so like this is especially true when we try to remake books or try to mm-hmm. do books in film. Like, just let it be a book, mm-hmm. and then make a fun movie of something else. <laughs> have an original yeah. idea for a change. Now, I mean, there you say that, but then you also, there. Okay, you also love movies. The Lord of the Rings. Okay. But you also love, like, The Lord well, of the Rings. But it's certainly not as good as the book. And there are a lot of gripes that I... No, it's not. There are so many gripes that I have with the books. Or with the movies. Well... <laughs> I don't what? know. What? I think you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of venturing into undefensible territory here. No. I mean, I like... I always the... defend especially The Lord of the Rings. The movies are the good. Staunchest, the movies the are staunchest, good. The staunchest defenders of the books will admit that the book that the movies are pretty much the most perfect adaptation of them that is possible well, in film. I mean, if you happen to only be interested in those particular things that they chose to put on film, then yeah, it could be the most perfect <laughs> adaptation. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Well, a it... perfect example is is the relationship um well, Faramir, just all out, like his character was one of the most brutalized. Um, but then his relationship with Eowyn, I thought, that was one of the most striking parts of the books for me. Like to see this growth of these two people. Hmm. And you just don't have that. It's gone. It just kind of glossed over. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, okay, fair or enough. Like well, you got to admit, even in the books, Faramir and Erwin in the books is not as significant as the other thousand no, pages. No, no, but it's of... they've got whole chapters. <laughs> like now, a lot of people have whole chapters. Or the Ents, you know, that was um, a really cool part of the uh, a cool part of the books that just you don't get a whole lot of Ent stuff. Mm. Uh, I saw, when I was in Berkeley a couple of weeks ago, I saw this license plate. That said, Entwives. <laughs> what? It was so I found the Entwives. <laughs> oh, because, that was a big part. They could, because they, they lost. The, they were they, reproducing because they, they lost the Entwives. <laughs> Not that they died, just that they lost them. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really good. I like that. Uh, I like yeah, that. like little stuff like that. If you've only seen the movies, then that license plate joke would be lost on you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, actually, no, that's in the movie. They, it's in one of the deleted scenes. Uh, um. I now I'm returning to the point about Aladdin though. I think there there's something about it that is particularly indicative of maybe like a sickness in our culture. Uh-huh. Um see with the Lord of the Rings, I appreciate it because it gave access to a book like it's a different medium. Yeah. See, Aladdin is already a movie. Sure. <laughs> so, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, a, it's a copy of a copy. It's a copy of Did you ever yeah, see that it's movie a co- multiplicity with uh with um yes oh, yes she was batman like, batman yeah yeah michael keaton Ma- yeah he and he kept cloning himself and then the clones started cloning themselves and then you had the really yeah and they got <laughs> yeah because they get they get dumber and dumber yeah. um i i genuinely like just movies like this like aladdin 
Uh, I don't know what their goal is, really, other than to bend them to some new political ideology or to just make money oh, as much as possible. ideology at best. Like, this is all a money grab. Like, well, this I don't even know because, like... To make money in the past. So, of course, an updated strange, version but, of it would as well. But see, what's strange to me What's strange to me about something like Aladdin is that they would probably make serious bank if they just re-released the original movie yeah. in theaters. Yeah. Like, like what, if they said... We had, <laughs> well, so, yeah. Well, I hate that. <laughs> like, bar none, that is the most ridiculous money grab I've ever seen. And it infuriates me yeah. beyond belief. Um, but, like, if there was, like, a 25th anniversary, or I guess at this point, like, a 30th anniversary edition of... Like, if they remastered Aladdin, the cartoon, and re-release it for the 30th anniversary yeah. in theaters, like, like that would be... That would be really cool. Yeah, just remaster it and just release it as the anniversary. And, like, you can get money. Maybe not as much money as you would get if you cast Will Smith as the genie, but by God, it would at least still be a good movie. Yeah. I found that this movie was garbage. So, comparison. I recently watched a video on YouTube that was talking about how Robin Williams was super upset with how they promoted that movie Aladdin mm-hmm. and like he vowed never to work for Disney again after that how did they promote it so he said he would do it but he did not want to be like the Will Smith like this movie is going to sell a lot because you've got a big name in it like uh. he wanted it just to be a really good movie he was working so he was working on Fern Gully at the same time and there was oh, this yeah. whole contractual dispute because they wanted him to stop doing that and they're like no man this is well, a better movie. <laughs> um, right. But also, like, it's about the characters. It's not about any one celebrity or one big oh, name. Man. Oh, this movie was painful to watch. So Did they even have any music? Yeah, which was wasn't it all the even same good. songs. All the same songs, except they... <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to get in trouble saying this, but <laughs> I they added one song, uh-huh. and it was a song for Jasmine, which... Fair enough, she didn't have any singing parts other than A Whole New World in the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. So she had her own solo song. But I just found it really frustrating because it's not that I disagree with the ideology. It's just I don't like it when ideology, you can just see it, see the seams. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so clear. Like, the song was all about her being speechless mm-hmm. and needing to reclaim her voice and having a voice for herself. And it's like, okay. I get it, Disney. <laughs> like, you're telling me, like, you're beating me over the head with the ideology. And it's it's not that I disagree with the ideology. It's not that at all. Yeah. It's just, I don't like it when the ideology is a club. Well, that's, and the club is being beat over my head. Yeah, that's you know? the beauty of art. That's the beauty of literature. That you can, you can say all of these things, but through creative ways that actually speak to people. Rather than having this shopping list of hot topic items that you have to talk about. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the movie, I thought, did a really good job of, like, having her, for example, spoiler alert, (laughs) she becomes Mm -hmm. the sultan at the end of the movie, which in the original, it was vague as to what would happen with uh, the the next leader. Uh So she becomes a sultan. That's kind of the dynamic of the whole movie is that why does she need to marry somebody to take over the leadership of the the kingdom? It's like, fair enough. I think that's a fine question to ask. And it's good to entertain that as far as, like, her character's development and actually giving her a character and not just having her be the love interest. Okay, fair. But, like, the song killed The song... <laughs> it was the song. Was just, the song, man. It was just all about her needing a voice and, like, it was just putting too fine a point on it. And yeah. I thought... Yeah. Like, no, I was I talking to somebody about it. Yet, I, totally I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were saying, they should have just called the movie Jasmine. Cause <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, but... Well, see, if they yeah. had done something creative and something new, they would have been able to write a wonderful movie about a strong female character in pre-Muslim Arabia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that would have been cool. Or or they could have just written a sequel to Aladdin and have it be like, you yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. life in the kingdom. Sure. And ja- yeah, Jasmine cool now, Aladdin died, you know, in battle. Uh-huh. And Jasmine is now the queen or something. Anyway. Um, you know, I'm not going to... Open this, I'll open this can of worms now, but we can talk about it in our next episode. I had a great conversation with a guy yesterday about, or actually, yeah, it was this morning, actually, um, about how movies, so this is something that you and I talk about a lot, about how movies are incapable of killing off characters and how movies are incapable of stopping uh-huh. production, uh-huh. but just continue to put everything as a cliffhanger. Not just movies, but TV shows as well. Yeah. Everything's a cliffhanger. Every season is binged, and then everything is a cliffhanger. 
nothing ever ends, right? Yeah. You know, like the brilliance of British television is that it always is very truncated. It's yeah, like here's three series and that's it's over, right? Um, but like how there's something there mm-hmm. that is really problematic in terms of how how we experience entertainment is always open ended and nothing is ever definitive yeah. and everything is super tentative and everything can easily be rewritten and rebooted and yeah. Anyway, we talk about that a lot, but I, I want to rehash that just because of how the latest phase of the Avengers ended, which we talked about already, but how a month later they're both putting it back in theaters <laughs> and tomorrow Spider-Man comes out mm. and it's like, when are we going to be given permission to like, even with Batman, for example, like, are we going to finally get a story where it's not about his origin? Yeah. Like, well, we kind of got that with BBS and people hated it. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to have him like actually grow as a character in Batman versus yeah. Man, and, and they hated it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Anyway, this is a can of worms, but we can oh, return sure. to it later. Especially. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, <sighs> Very that good. Great, there's a great moment just to, for my final thought, um, there's a, this really great, and I showed it to you one time in the second book of the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis, uh, Paralandra, where one of the species on, on what was that, planet Venus, uh, is talking about memory and how you can only really not only appreciate somebody, but know somebody or something when you're able to remember them. So sort mm-hmm. of taking in the entirety of that of that person and sort of yeah, 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 and to sit with that. Hmm. And I wonder if that's exactly what we're not being able to do. We're not able to do that. Because it's constantly being new thing, new thing, new thing, new thing. And we can't really sit with, gosh, what have these last, you know, let's take the Marvel movies as an example. Like, what has this actually meant, this whole series, this whole arc? And instead we get a re-release, and then the next movie is coming out today. Yeah. It's kind of meant nothing, ultimately. Well, it's like, yeah, that, I mean, that's in, in this. Well, <laughs> I, I guess what I mean is that in the sense of like, well, yeah, because everything is just going to sort of be rehashed and rebooted. Yeah. Now, maybe my final, final thought is <laughs> another another topic that I brought up that, well, actually, I didn't bring it up, but the guy that I was with this weekend brought it up in connection to memory and maybe dovetailing off of this conversation about movies. Something that you need to talk a little bit about because you have expertise in is this guy's, this guy was wondering whether or not this same question of memory is a reason why tattoo culture is so problematic. Um, and <laughs> mm. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, is that people getting a ton of tattoos and maybe are incapable of just experiencing things in their memories and not just on their skin. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll talk, I'd be we'll curious to hear your that. thoughts on that. Remind me next time. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> cool, man. All right, we'll go cook dinner and we'll talk later. Cool. Hi, brother. All right, peace. Peace.